I can see the love in your eyes. When you look at your heavenly father, what's expression on his face? I can see you now. You know, it's important to be able to see, isn't it? By the way, I'm Doug, and I'm one of the pastors here, Pastor Emeritus. Back in 1990, we started this church. And I'm going to do some strange things today, so I thought I'd give you a little credentials to start with, you know. <laughs> and thanks, Charlie, for being able to, to preach this message. Yeah, being able to see. If you've got your sermon study sheet, you see there that uh, physical, spiritual blindness, sometimes spiritual is worse. I, I'm really indebted to Melissa today, who uh, saw that inside in that passage. And uh, not as much as that, but two weeks ago she ran an Olympic try. A week later, she ran a sprint try. Anybody else do stuff like that? Yeah. Melissa, all right. You are special around here. <clears throat> she picked up the point between these two parts of the passage today in Luke 18 about uh, spiritual sight and uh, physical sight. How important is your physical sight to you? You probably don't even think about it, do you? And we don't see that many... Uh, visually handicapped people, visually challenged people, um, at least I don't, so much around here. Can you imagine what it would be like not being able to see? Now, on the one hand, just being able to see is such a pleasure, isn't it? It's such a pleasure to see anything. Blue sky, to see the face of your loved one, I mean, that, that is just, it's just a pleasure to see. But if you couldn't see, what couldn't you do? Through sight, we go out and engage the world. Um, what would it be like if you couldn't see and then all of a sudden you were able to see? Let's see that video there, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Can you imagine the first time you're able to see? Well, I want to give you a little demo. Everybody stand up. I told you it's going to be strange. Just stand up. Put everything down. And I want you to just stand on one foot. You can hold the chair if you need to just for a second. But just stand on one foot. 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. How long can you do that? Okay, now I want you to Close your eyes and stand on one foot. 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. How many of you made it past three? <laughs> All right, thanks. You can have a seat. You see, it's not just important that we can see. Because we can see, the world opens up to us. We're unable to engage the world. I think C.S. Lewis said, you know, I love, I love the sun rising. Not so much that I see the sun, but by the sun I see life. Light, eyes that we can see. And so we're going to look at two examples of blindness, one spiritual and one physical. Let's open to uh, Luke chapter 18. And we're going to start with verse 31. If you recall last week, uh, Daniel's sermon, I believe it was, about uh, the rich young ruler who uh, Jesus uh, said, if you want to follow me, Sell all you have, give the poor, and come and follow me. And he, he went away sad. And it said that in Mark's gospel that Jesus looked on him with love. He was blind, wasn't he? 
blind to what he would be able to be and receive with Jesus. Now the disciples turn. They're on, they're on the way to Jerusalem. We're in chapter 18. Do you think we're toward the end or beginning of Luke? Been here a while, right? We're toward the end. Jesus is headed to Jerusalem for Passover. And during that week in Jerusalem, he will teach, but he will be betrayed, arrested, and crucified. The disciples don't really know that, although he's told them several times before. But now they're actually on the road. They're headed into Jericho, and you take a ride in Jericho and go to Jerusalem. It's that close. Now, the scriptures tell us that he took the twelve aside and told them, we're going up to Jerusalem, and everything is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. Don't change the, don't change the slide. Now, at that point right there, what are they thinking? We're going to Jerusalem. Everything the prophet said about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. What are they thinking? Yes! We've got a winner! It's happening! I told you, I told you! We walk around, we eat fish, we eat dust, and it's happening finally. It's going to happen. Because there's several things here that are coded. Son of man? Son of man. Why did Jesus refer to himself as son of man 81 times in the Gospels? He never refers to himself, well, hardly ever as son of God. Other people do. But he refers to himself as the son of man. There's several reasons for that, I believe. One is, I think there is a an identification with humanity, a humility, son of man. He was fully God and fully man, and he refers to himself as the son of man. But it's also code. You see, back in Mark chapter 2, Jesus said, and this was at the beginning, the son of man has the authority to forgive sins. Now, who else in their day did they think had the authority to forgive sins? Only God. And then he said later on in Mark 2, he said, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Whoa. The Sabbath. I mean, that's big time for the Jewish believers. So Jesus is filling this concept, Son of Man, with, uh, God, with, with things that, that are, uh, are jumbled together, but they're, they're mysterious and they're challenging. And, and there is another... Code phrase here. The prophets wrote about the Son of Man. The Son of Man was identified at one point in Daniel as being what the Jews would refer to as the Messiah. Let's look at Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. And we are going to start with verse 13. In my vision at night I looked, and this is Daniel, 400 years before Jesus. I saw one like a son of man. Do you see that there? I saw one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days. Who's that? That's God. Led into his presence. <clears throat> Got the next one? He was given authority, glory, sovereign power, 
All nations and people of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Now, if, if Jesus says, the Son of Man, that's me, you've heard me refer to myself that way, the Son of Man is going to Jerusalem, all the prophets have written will be fulfilled. The Son of Man. And they're like, they're ecstatic. Finally, it's coming about. Yes! And then Jesus ruins it for them, doesn't he? What's he, what's he say next? Back to Luke, <clears throat> chapter 18, verse 32. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. On the, th- on the third day, he will rise again. Now, it's almost like, you know, Jesus, the disciples are headed down the road. And he says, hey, I'm going to go into Jerusalem, all the things about the prophets. Hey, we're riding cool. But the Son of Man will be delivered, insulted, flogged, killed. And it's just like he just puts it in the ditch. Just heads across country. Whoa, wait a second. We had it all going here. <clears throat> Where are you going with this gloom and doom stuff? Where is that? Well, in Isaiah 53... I've got it marked here. Uh, you can write it down and refer to it later. Isaiah 53 is a chapter, uh, obviously, in Isaiah. That <laughs> I told you, you're going to hear profound things today. <laughs> that no Jewish person would have in a bumper sticker on the back of their camel. I mean, this is one you don't want to pay attention to. I mean, listen to this here. You heard the Daniel one. I like, I'm, I'm with the Daniel thing. And here it says in verse 3 about the, um, the one the Lord revealed. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Do you see why they wouldn't have that on a memory card? I mean, that's not who they're looking for, right? That he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed... <clears throat> For our iniquities, the punishment brought, that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we were healed. Jesus, at this point with the twelve, and, and he had told them this three times at least before, and he alluded to it other times. He was revealing to them the mystery. The mystery that had been kept in God's heart since the beginning of time. Because God knew, as creation was made and humans were made in His image, that they would fall away from Him. They would disqualify themselves from a relationship with God. And there would be no way they could work back. No way they could earn back a relationship with God. But God made us for a relationship. How could that happen? It can't be earned by a person. There's only one way. But nobody would have guessed it. No one would ever have guessed that the Son of God would have come to be born in a manger and live a life among us to teach us to do miracles and then die. And that his death would be a ransom for all of us. It would pay for the penalty of our sins so the relationship can be restored. That's completely outside the category of human rationale, right? I mean, we, we wouldn't even, we wouldn't think it. We wouldn't dare ask it. God, would you please come and die for me? Well, it, it just, it never would have crossed 
a person's mind. But Jesus is saying here, he's revealing to them <clears throat> probably the greatest, most precious mystery that there's ever been. And after he told them that, they're like, yes, oh, thank God, we're so glad. No, that's not what they said. <clears throat> Let's see what they said here. <clears throat> they, 34, the disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. Now, does that mean that God had hidden the meaning from them so they couldn't see it? Or that there was something on their side that was hiding the meaning and they couldn't see it? Well, I believe it was being hidden because they couldn't see. And they couldn't see because they were tuned in to WIFM. WIIFM is what's in it for me. And the reason I know that is back in Matthew 16, when Jesus first revealed to them that he was going to die and rise again. What's the next thing Peter said to him? No, Lord, it shall never happen. Peter began to rebuke Jesus and said, there's no way you're going to Jerusalem and let those people kill you. That's just not going to happen. God forbid. Can you imagine saying God forbid against the very will of God? In Matthew 16, when Jesus told them this, um, Jesus responded to Peter. Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. I'll rise again. Peter said, no, you won't. No, there's no way. Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. In other words, your mindset is not on God. Your thought process is not godly. It is merely human. You're merely thinking about what's best for me, which are our humanity. As we look and see and try to live life, we try to get the best for ourselves. And oftentimes we, we stumble, we, we, we scrape ourselves, we hurt other people, we misunderstand because we're always listening with the ears, always seeing with the eyes, what's best for me? How can I avoid pain? How can I get pleasure? What's best for me? And for the disciples, they thought what's best for them would be to go with Jesus to Jerusalem, have him crowned king. Throw the Romans out, and then they would be on the cabinet. And they wouldn't even have to be uh, cleared by the Congress. They would just be named to the cabinet right there. Now, the reason we know this, um, <clears throat> this is called the Harmony of the Gospels. I don't know if you have one of these, but it's a very valuable resource for Bible study. It takes all of the verses of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and puts them in chronological order. And that way you know sort of what's happened before and after. Well, right after Jesus told them that he was going to die, and it says the disciples didn't have any idea what he was talking about, they didn't understand it, the very next thing that happened flips back to Matthew and Mark. Now, so if you're just reading Luke, you don't get this. All you got is the disciples didn't understand. But you go to Matthew and Mark, and right after Jesus tells them he's going to die, rise again, this is what's next. Then James and John, son of Zebedee, came to him and said, Teacher, 
We want you to do whatever we ask. <clears throat> Jesus just told him he's going to go through brutal torture and punishment and die and, and rise again. And what does that mean? And, and James and John says, hey, have you ever had your kids come and, and say, hey, will you give me whatever I ask you? I mean, how likely is that? <clears throat> so, what do you want me to do for you, Jesus said. Let one of us sit at your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. Okay, guys, okay, just a second. A minute ago, I told you I'm going to be crucified. If you want to be right and left of that, I suppose you're welcome. <laughs> but I don't think that's what you're going to want. I mean, what is the deal with these guys? He tells them he's going to die. The next thing they ask is, hey, when you're in your glory... In other words, when you kick the Romans out, you take over his kingship and Messiah in Jerusalem, can we be on the right and left? Can we be your number one and number two? What, what was their concern? Was it for Jesus? Was it for people? What was their concern? Said, hey, this is not a trick question, guys. What was their concern? Themselves. They were looking out for themselves, looking out for number one and number two, James and, and John, you know, mama's boys. This is what we want. This is what we want. Now, if you're listening for God's voice and you're tuned in to WIIFM, what are the chances you're going to hear what God has to say? Let me ask you a question. If you could hear clearly the voice of God today, right now, what would he say to you? I was visiting with a, uh, another pastor in the community several weeks ago. Been a friend for a long time. Very, uh, very successful man. A godly man. Faithful man. But he's going through some tough times. And he's experiencing some depression. And he said, you know, Doug, I can't hear God. I said, what would God say to you if you could hear him? If you could hear God, God, what do you have to say to me? What would he say? And he looked at me. <laughs> this is so funny. He said, he'd say, well, you need to step up and get with it. <laughs> I said, that is the best you, that's the best you got? I mean, you're downtrodden, and, and, and you think God's going to rebuke you the first thing you hear, and you haven't heard for weeks, and then the first thing he's going to say? What do you think God would say to you if you could hear? Visiting with another guy not long ago, and uh, discovered in our course of conversation that he didn't like to pray, and wasn't really comfortable with the idea of God. I asked him about his childhood. I heard about his disapproving parents. Never could live up to their expectations. Always putting him down. I heard about his religious background. All the rules, the enforcement, the guilt. Always putting him down. I said, it sounds to me like you're on a performance base and you don't think that you're good enough. And so you do not want to hear. I mean, you heard from disapproving parents, disapproving religion. You don't want to hear from a disapproving God. 
because you're concerned that he would tell you the same thing. You'll never make it. You're a a mess up. When When we live within ourselves, as human beings, we live usually under the cloud of performance-based approval. And unfortunately, even those of us with good parents grew up hearing things from our parents that were, you'll never be good for anything, you'll never make it. And, and so we grew up with those words taped in our mind. We hear those things. And so when I say, what would God say to you if you could hear his voice clearly? We're thinking, oh, it's going to come. I'm not good enough. Guess what? When Jesus Christ died for you on the cross, it says that he took all of your sin and all of your punishment, and he transferred to you all of his what? He transferred to you all of his what? Say it. And righteousness. I mean, that's not, that sounds like a good trade to me. He took all of my sin, transferred all of his righteousness to me, <clears throat> so that now, when God looks at me, the Father looks at me, he sees me and loves me as he loves Jesus. Did you know God loves you as much as he loves Jesus? Check it out in John 17. That's exactly what it says. Father, Love them like you've loved me. And so if you could hear from God, clearly his voice saying to you, what would he say to you today? And I told my friend, my pastor friend, I said, this is what God would say to you today. I used his name. You are my beloved son. And I'm well pleased. You have been faithful. I have loved you so much that Jesus died for you. You are that valuable to me. You are beloved. I love you. I made you for myself. I am delighted in you. Now we're sitting in a coffee shop. This guy's tears are rolling down his cheeks because he hears what God would say. We have a hard time hearing from God. Often because we want to do what we want to do and often Other times because we're concerned he's going to be um, punitive toward us. He's going to say something disapproving. How can you train to hear God's pure voice? Well, certainly scripture is one thing if you listen, if you can see. But I really encourage you, if you've not had a sozo experience, is that what they call them still? Journey to wholeness. Journey I would say the simplest way to describe that would be loving people are helping you hear from God without the clatter, without the distraction. Um, Who do they contact? Teresa? To set up a journey to wholeness? Website? Yeah. Or you can can talk to Teresa. Uh, or, Or you don't have to, you don't have to have a lot of problems in your life. It is so liberating to sit and be helped, 
to hear God's voice. And so redeeming and fulfilling to hear his love poured out. One of the questions that you will be asking your Heavenly Father as you're in a uh, journey to wellness would be, ask God, God, what do you think of me? How many of you? (laughs) And then you listen and you begin to tell the thoughts that come to your mind. Positive, loving, precious, valuable. It blows you away. How would your life be different if you could see and hear and believe who you are according to God's view of you? The whole world says you don't amount to much. You're not very important. You're not very valuable. You haven't got what it takes. Your Heavenly Father says, I have filled you with my spirit. I've made you for me. I'm delighted in you. I've empowered you to live and fulfill the dreams I've given you. How would your life be different if you could see yourself as God sees you? That's not like something good to do, right? And you can. We've got to just back out of our... You know what selective listening is? If If you've had little kids and they're playing on the floor, hey, pick that stuff up. We're leaving in 10 minutes. What happens? Nothing. And so a few minutes later you say, hey, after you pick your toys up, we're going to get ice cream. What happens? (laughs) (laughs) Selective hearing. (laughs) We want to hear what we want to hear, but we don't know. Our hearts aren't tuned to hear what God wants to say to us. That we're His. That we're His beloved. And that His grace and love has superseded His punishment and His judgment. And we are fully received, accepted, and whole in Jesus Christ. Filled with His Spirit. Equipped to live life. If you've had kids, if you've raised kids, and they go to first grade, how many of you as parents have had your hearts wrenched because... It didn't seem like your first grade child could understand and experience him or herself the way that you saw that child. And they go to school and they hear all this other stuff. And they come home, they're so distraught. But if your first grade child could just live out of the identity that you see in that child, how would that life be different? How much confidence and courage and compassion would that child have? Not beat down by other kids at school or what goes on. Your Heavenly Father wants you to see yourself in the truth as He sees you. Not because of anything you are inherently, but because of what you have inherited. Because Jesus died for you. And you're restored to relationship. And you're a beloved son, a beloved daughter. And you are equipped and filled with the Spirit to live the life that He's chosen for you. How would your life be different if you woke up in the morning and you heard your Father's voice and you saw yourself the way He sees you? You get out of bed completely different. You get out of bed ready to go. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What happens when you do that? 
Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay, I'm getting ready. Boom, 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 you know. What happens when you do that? How, if you literally actually spent five minutes loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, after that five minutes, how would you be different? Now, we're usually thinking about spending five minutes and we're music worship or scripture, and that's great, and, and we need to do that with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we often forget what we will be like in that interchange as we're giving glory to God, as we're worshiping God. What's He doing to you? What's He giving you as you're glorifying Him? You think He's just up there like, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, I need some more. Oh, yeah. What's he doing? <clears throat> What's he doing? Can you imagine a little kid goes in, jumps up on his daddy's lap, mom's lap, you know, things are fine, and, and looks up and says, you know, mom, I love you so much. Dad, I love you. You're the best of the whole world. What's that parent going to do next? Get out of here, kid. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> or ignore it. No, it's like, whoa. What do you want? <laughs> when you are spending five minutes worshiping God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving Him, there's a transaction. There's an interaction, an interchange. And, and you, as a result of that time, see Him as who He is, and you begin to see you as He sees you. And I want you to know, the loving people part, it's not going to go very well if you don't receive from the loving God part. Because you ain't going to get very far on an empty tank. And God intends us, coming into His presence, fill our tanks with an understanding of our value and His love for us. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Don't you love it? This church has a... Um, a vision like that? Where'd that come from? Oh, it's in the Bible. It's, it's the way to live, to love God and love people. All right, you guys got me off track. <laughs> Verse 35, Luke 18. <clears throat> but do you understand uh, that this morning, during the rest of our time here, before you go out, that you need to take a few moments and just say, God, I love you, all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. How do you see me? I want to see you. I want to see. I don't want to be spiritually blind to who you are and what you're doing, like the disciples were. 35, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. Now, what do you think the blind man was begging for? What was he hoping to take home that day? It's, again, you kind of hesitate to answer questions in church, don't you? Because you think the pastor's tricking you and there's a theological... <laughs> what did the beggar want? <clears throat> Money. How did he get there? How did he get there? How does a blind person get to the side of the road? Somebody took him. Somebody probably let him, or he would have gotten run over by a, a, a donkey wagon or something. 
So the blind man is sitting by the side of the road and he's begging. His hand is cupped. He's hoping for alms, I guess, or shekels or whatever they have in those days. That's what he's hoping for. And what does he say? I mean, as he vocalizes, he can't see. What does he say in order to get money? Help me. Probably alms, alms for the poor, you know, something like that. How many days had he been there before this day? <laughs> Years. And, and, and so the people who are there, as a matter of course, walking up and down that road, they've seen him before, right? They've heard his voice. Maybe they throw him a coin or two, but he's just sort of a fixture. And then it says... <clears throat> Uh, when he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. Now think about this for a moment. This is uh, approaching Passover in Jerusalem. Jericho is the main route to Jerusalem if you're coming as a Jewish person from the north or from the east. So traffic is picking up. You're sitting there and you can't see. What do you hear that tells you a crowd is going by? Just imagine it for a moment. What do you hear? You begin to hear footprints, foot tracks, talk, babble. He, he hears there's something going on. There's a crowd going by. And he asked what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Now, what does that mean? That's like saying Billy Bob from Silt passing by. <laughs> what does that mean? J Jesus of Nazareth? I mean, seriously, the Jesus, there were other, other guys named Jesus and probably came from Nazareth. So what designation is Jesus of Nazareth? Well, what's the meaning of that? What's that? Okay. This is Luke 18, right? Or we toward the end or beginning? How many healings have we been through in Luke? <clears throat> A lot. Blind people, people who couldn't walk, all kinds of things like that. And so Jesus of Nazareth, he associates that and says, that's the one. He did heal Billy Bob back up there in the back country. That's the one. And so what does he do? It says that he called out, Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. Now, I tricked you a little bit there, didn't I? What does he really say? What? Now, why, why is that significant? Code word. If you were a Jewish person in Jesus' day, the son of David had been predicted and prophesied. The son of David, the Messiah, would come and, and, and save Israel. Jesus, son of David, he is declaring his belief that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd around him all said, hey, come on, we'll help you. Did they? No. What'd they do? Can you believe they treat a handicapped guy this way? <clears throat> Those who led the way rebuked him. Now, and if you read the chronological Bible, it hadn't been too many days when the disciples tried to shoo the children away. And that didn't go real well. And so the disciples are his posse. Make way, make way. We got Jesus coming by here. 
They rebuked him and told him, shut up. Be quiet. Blind beggar. I mean, who do you think you are? This is Jesus of Nazareth here. Who do you think you are? And he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, there were other people probably talking, maybe yelling or shouting, and he's just, he's desperate. And so the Bible tells us Jesus stopped and ordered the executive to be brought to him. I tricked you again. Jesus, Jesus didn't have regard for station of life, did he? Here's a, the blind beggar, I can tell you, was the least on the totem pole that day in that spot. And Jesus stopped when he heard him. And he stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. Hey, stop roughing the guy up and bring him here. Bring him over here. And so the blind man is led by the hand over to Jesus. And so now he's standing in front of Jesus. And Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Alms, alms for the poor. Alms for the poor. Is that crazy? How crazy is it when we ask for stuff that's nowhere near our deepest need? We have surface needs, wants, desires. But how crazy is it when we don't identify our deepest need when we're in the presence of God? Our deepest needs. How would you answer Jesus? What do you want me to do for you? How would you answer I mean, here today, how would you answer? Now, part of your answer at first would be circumstantially. Oh, a lottery win would be nice. That'd be a good start on the day, yeah. Take me through Tuesday. <clears throat> then maybe, what, what would you ask? What's your usual ask in prayer? But how about what if we identified? What if, what if your prayer today was, Lord, I want to see not physically, but you saw how hard it was a while ago to keep your balance physically when your eyes were closed. How hard do you think it is to keep your balance spiritually when you can't see? You fall down, you run into things, run over people. What if our prayer today, what if in your heart you said in, 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 in a moment, in the quiet time, you said, I want to see. You see, he wasn't thinking about alms anymore. I mean, this is the son of David here. This is Jesus, son of David. This is not some guy from the borough lot down the road. This is Jesus, son of David. So you ask the son of God something appropriate with who he is and what your need is. I want to see. Now, spiritually, what do you need to see and how would your life be different? Well, we've already talked about how different it would be if you could see yourself the way God sees you. If you could see God the way he really is, I mean, that would be pretty overwhelming in that. But if you could see him the way, see yourself the way he sees you. <clears throat> in, uh, in 1 John, it says that there's spiritual blindness because of uh, unresolved differences or bitterness toward a brother. 
what if for you to be able to see, you needed to forgive someone today? How hard would it be to see spiritually when you're holding a grip of anger and resentment and bitterness on someone? Or it could be that's what you'll see. You'll see what you're doing. How much more difficult is life lived with bitterness inside? It's terrible. We need to let it go. What if your prayer today is, Lord, I want to see. You think, you think Jesus has got one more miracle in him? I mean, this is down to the last week of his life. He just told the disciples he's going to die. He's got to be thinking about all that brutality and his death and resurrection. And here's a blind guy. Do you think he's got one left? What does Jesus say to him? He says, receive your sight. I tried to imagine this week what that would be like. And the way Jesus said it, receive your sight. What if Jesus said to you, receive from me what you most need? Receive from me what you most need. You receive. You open your hands up like Charlie shows us. You receive from me what you really need. Would you love to walk out of this building this morning with better spiritual sight than you walked in with? Would you love to walk out of this building today having received what you most deeply need from Jesus? That's what it's all about, guys. It's not just walking into a building and walking out the same. We want to be different. But, yeah, but wait, <laughs> there's more. <laughs> there's more. If you call today, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <clears throat> Uh, Jesus said, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Okay, now wait a second, that's two things. Receiving your sight is one thing. Okay, check, got that. Your faith has healed you. What on earth does he mean by that? Well, actually, Jesus, my only problem was I couldn't see, and now I can see. Uh, I mean, I, I stubbed my toe last night, but other than that, you know, I'm... Pretty well healed, I don't need the healing. Until you look beneath the word. In the English Bible, it says your faith has healed you. Guess what the Greek word is? Kathy gave us this clue several weeks ago with the lepers. What is the Greek word under this? Sozo. Now what does sozo mean? Sozo means healed, delivered, Freed, everything you need taken care of, healed, saved to the uttermost. I mean, it is uh, uh, being healed and saved on steroids. It's, it's, it's a whole package. And too often, we're, we Christians are like, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Oh, thank you. Now I'm going to heaven. We walk away and all we got, we're going to heaven, we got an assignment to live a moral life. Yeah, how's that working? Now there's more pressure on me to do right than there was before. I'm going to heaven. Is that what Jesus intended when he died on the cross for you and sent his spirit to live in you? No, you want the whole enchilada. You want the whole sozo. 
Which means that not only are you saved and you're going to heaven, but you are filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit to have discernment and peace and joy in this troubled world. To be able to to be able to love the unlovable. To be able to love yourself. To see yourself as God sees you. Completely sozoed, healed. I was thinking about this this week. <clears throat> you know, when you come to intersections, there's the guys there with the cardboard signs. And, and they say, Any, anything will help. God bless. And, uh, you know, sometimes we give them stuff. And, what if, and I, I, I thought about this, it's so cool. What if... You pulled over to the side of the road, and you said, you know what? I'm not going to give you just money. I'm going to give you what you need to be completely transformed. Here, take this. You, you hand him, I'm just making this up. You hand him a cup and a piece of bread. And, and so he, he takes that. Instead of handing him, you know, water or a cracker, you, he takes that, and all of a sudden, he's changed. He's standing there in an Italian business suit with shined shoes. And he's got a home and a, and a beautiful wife and, and kids that are in grade school and on the honor roll and kids in, in middle school who are athletes. And he's got a good job and, and the respect of people. He's president of the Kiwanis Club. You see the difference between giving somebody a, a, a box of cookies and giving them something that would completely transform Oh, wait, there's one thing left, though, isn't there? What else would he need? I mean, if you've got a mortgage and a wife and kids and a job and oh, car, did I mention car? What else would he need? Mindset, right? A different way of seeing life? Or, or else he'd be back there the next week. A different way of seeing himself. And of seeing life. And that's what Jesus died and rose again to provide for us. Not just so we'd have something to do on Sunday mornings, although this is wonderful. Not just so we go to heaven when we die, but the whole enchilada saved to the uttermost. The very best you there could ever be. The you that when your wife criticizes you, you say, honey, please describe to me what it is I'm doing that's a problem for you because I really want to change that. Okay, call the paramedics. <laughs> or or uh, in the situations of life with your boss at home, with kids or whatever it is, what would it be like if the very best you there could be was there interacting in those situations? When you lay your head on the bed at night, the very best you is praising God and dreaming about the life he has for you. How would your life be different if you could see him who he is, you who he sees you to be, and your life as he wants it to be? Because it's not just something that you can see. It's something that you can be endowed with, filled with, and live by. The truth of the matter is, is that well, within the next week of the passage, Jesus took the cup at the Passover meal. He said, this blood is my new covenant shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. 
This bread is my body broken for you. Now, as you come today to take communion, let me ask you. God, I want to see. I want to see who you are. I want to see who you see me to be. I want to see, I want to see spiritually. Pray that. And then listen, God, how do you see me? How do you see me? How do you feel about me? Let's pray. Lord God, you have been beyond the ability of human reasoning uh, generous to uh, send Jesus to die. No one would have thought about it. Nobody could have made it happen, but you did. Because you love us, you've made us for yourself, for relationship, and you so want us back with you. Father, I pray for each person here today that you will give us eyes to see who you are and who you, who you see us to be, the life you have for us. And Jesus, thank you so much for what you did. Without your life and death on the cross and resurrection, we wouldn't have anything to talk about. We thank you and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.